Hemlock Knots. Cracking the restoration's toughest subjects through rational, balanced analysis of source material. Welcome, everybody, to another interview. Today, we've got the two directors and producers of the documentary called Who Killed Joseph Smith? We've got Justin Griffin here and Steve Sorensen. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Good. All right. So, Justin, you're the producer as well as the director. Mm -hmm. And Steve, you're the filmmaker. Correct. You brought it all together. A lot of people are curious what... What's this film all about, and, and why did you guys get involved? So I uh, saw a film online called Carthage Conspiracy. Maybe I've seen it. Uh-huh. And it's interesting. It has great subject matter, but it's horribly done, or at least the recording is. Um, the presentation was probably good, but it's just super yeah. old. It was VHS recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I was thinking of maybe approaching that guy and saying, hey, how did you come up with all this stuff? And uh, reshooting that to get the information uh, more clear. And so I wanted to figure that out, um, that movie. And so I talked to Steve about it, and I was like, man, we got to do something on Carthage. He's like, Carthage, I totally want to do something on Carthage. (laughs) So I told him a little about that, and he was like, okay, I don't think you had heard no, that that's theory before. <laughs> and I was like, So I you committed to a documentary before doing the research? Well, well, Justin, when we spoke, he was saying, like, we'll just go wherever the evidence takes us, which I thought was very interesting. Gotcha. We were both like everybody else. The narrative of Carthage, same thing we, everyone else believed. It's been the same thing for 150, yeah. 160 Just years. The mob did it. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, don't so worry about seeing it, this details. video to realize something else, there's other people coming up with different theories that happened was super intriguing. And so me and Steve, because we both like Joseph Smith, we both like Carthage, we love everything about Nauvoo, we were like, let's look into this. And the feeling was, okay, if we reenact all of this and we come up with the evidence, wherever it points is what we're going to show. And we both agreed to stay intellectually honest to that and dived into yeah. the research yeah, interesting. and produced this film. What percentage of, of what you believe now about what happened? you got your beliefs, right? Your hunches as far as what happened. Probably lots of questions still, but how much did you know before you started sitting down and building the film versus even today? You know, Have you continued to learn more even after you put together these drafts? Okay. <clears throat> before, I was pretty much like everybody else. As far as the narrative, I knew the main points, um, but I hadn't been to Carthage and I hadn't really researched a ton into it. Um, Steve, where were you at? I didn't know a ton. I mean, I, I thought I knew a lot, let's put it that way. I mean, you, you think that you know, but what you really, or at least what I knew was, was the narrative. We refer to ourselves as Carthage researchers. So there are a bunch of Carthage researchers out there. And one of the reasons why we wanted to do this film was to get more Carthage researchers out there. If you never thought there was anything to even question, hopefully this spurs in you the idea that now there's way more to this story. We don't know who killed Joseph Smith. It was not just a faceless mob that did it. End of story. Someone pulled that trigger. Right. And now I think we know who it is after our research. So, yeah, that's a big deal. Not a lot of people in the world know. Right. Um, coming from just strictly an LDS perspective, you know, there's two eyewitness counts. You're going to talk about those today. Willard Richards, an apostle. 
John Taylor, an apostle and future president of the church should be pretty accurate as far as their, their honesty in these things. So, um, for a long time, their, their narratives were how it happened. But even today you were saying, Steve, even the LDS church has abandoned the two eyewitness accounts in several of the, the details, right? That's right. Do you want to walk through some of those original accounts? Sure. So <clears throat> there's a bunch of different accounts out there of what happened um, for the actual martyrdom. But the majority of those counts were outside of the jail. They were outside witnesses observing from the outside. And that is not the kind of detail that we were looking for. Yeah. We wanted to know what happened inside the jail. That's where all of the action is. Yeah. And there are only two accounts of from witnesses that were in the jail, and that was Willard Richards and John Taylor. And their accounts have been published for hundreds of years. I mean, they're very well known, and from those accounts is where we get our understanding. Most people, what they understand today comes from those two eyewitness accounts. The problem with when those were, two eyewitness accounts... When were they written? So, Willard Richards, great question, wrote his a couple... So, he wrote in his journal the day of. Okay. But just some sparse details... And then a few weeks later, he published um, his first account in the Nauvoo Neighbor, and then right after that in the Times and Seasons. Okay. Within about 30 days or so, yeah. right? Yeah. Month. John Taylor waited 10 years, and it was right after Willard died. And a few months later, on the 10th anniversary of the martyrdom, is when he gave his first public sermon and explained to people what happened at Carthage. What so, about his DNC 135 bit? So did he actually write that or not? According to I a lot of people, the timing of it—he gets was, credit for it. Yeah, he was—he would have still been healing from the wounds he received at Carthage. So a lot of people think that that was Willard that wrote it, but that doesn't—he contradicts that from what he says in one thirty-five from from his account. So it's like right there is a problem. Okay, so let's talk about the official story. Okay, you have a little diagram of of the jail. You brought along? See, the word official, I don't even know what that means anymore. Is it official what according used to, to those two eyewitnesses? Well, I mean, official according to the church? Which official according to outside observers? I used to th believe there was an official account. Now I'm like, no. If you want to know this, you've got to get into how it. How about the eyewitness accounts? So I'm going to review the eyewitness okay, accounts. Okay, there we go. This is a uh, diagram of the jail. It was about 16 by 16 feet. North wall, west wall, east wall, south wall. These are the two windows. This would have been the front of the jail. Right here would have been the stairway coming up to this landing leading into the room. And this is the window supposedly that the mob shot Hiram through. So there were four men in the room. And what you have to understand right off the bat is they were not all prisoners. So the entire city council that was in trouble with the law for destroying the expositor, all came, but they got out on bail. But Joseph and Hiram, at the last second, they said, we're not letting these guys out on bail. They came up with a, you know, a trumped-up charge of treason. treason. Yeah. And treason is a capital offense, so you can't bail out on that. So Joseph and Hiram were the ones that were being held. Willard and John volunteered to stay with them. So when you read in the accounts, the four prisoners, there was not the four prisoners. It was only Joseph and John were prisoners. The other two were just visitors. And Dan Jones was a visitor. They had many other visitors that came in and out of the jail to spend time with them, comfort them, talk, things like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so when the actual martyrdom happened, there was only four 
guys still in the room. And they were wherever, supposedly John Taylor was at this window and saw the mob coming. And so it depends on whose account you go with, what they did next. If you go with Willard's account, all four men came and leaned against this door. Now, we've simulated that. You'll now, see why is that door? So this is the door that the mob came up the stairs. Yeah. Can four grown men fit in front of that door? No anything? way. No way. Okay. There's no way. I mean, maybe two and one has, the other has had the have to be just sit, something yeah. like that. But all four leaning into it to keep it closed, there's no way. Okay. It's too small for that. But that's Willard's account. John doesn't say that. He says only Hiram and Willard were against the door. And that Joseph and John were standing about right here. Okay. So, I mean, let's get into it. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong? Is that a detail that it's like, okay, it's just eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses are unreliable. Four men were against the door or two were against the door. That's a big difference, especially with what's coming. So right off the bat, you should be asking yourself. Could they be describing two different times? Like maybe before they came and after they came? Could they have changed? Could there have been two and then two more came later? Impossible. Okay. Because of the gunshots that they mentioned. Okay. And here's why I'm not even sure any of them were against the door. So the previous night, Dan Jones in his account recorded a mob came the previous night. And none of them were against the door. They all stood against the wall. And they they had a chair leaning against the door to keep it closed because there was no latch and the door would have just opened. Right. They weren't crazy enough to be against the door every detective movie you've ever seen what happens when you're against the door and someone's going to come in you stand against the wall not against the door you're holding you're against the wall holding your gun like this why because when the person comes in and pushes it in their field of view is straight ahead not to the side that buys you critical time Mm -hmm. that you can make the first move so dan's talking about them holding the chair you know they came in they could have defended themselves. You don't stand against the door, you stand to the side. Anyway, let me make that point even stronger. Please. There's two shots into the door. The first was just above the latch. If four men were standing against that door, one of them would have been hit. There's no way around that. Yeah, and that would have been likely Hiram, according to most of the paintings. In the Yeah, he would have been the one leaning over that with the other ones holding it. So, so there was no working said, latch. Was that first shot into the corner of the door a breach? Were they trying to breach the door, you think? Or was it something else? It's a good question. I mean, I don't know, but my guess is, is they they didn't know that the door was locked. And so they would have shot trying to maybe hit the latch open, yeah. but it was above it. Gotcha. Anyway, it didn't, it didn't hit anybody. So what's wrong with this scenario? Were people against the door or weren't they? If they weren't, why would they have said that they were? And if they were, why would one say two and one say four? And if it was two or four, one of them would have been hit. Someone would have been hit by that first shot and no one was hit. Regardless. Because you don't stand against the door to create resistance at the hinge side. You're at the latch side. That's right. Bearing down your weight. That's right. if If you were leaning against that door and saw a shot through it, what would you do? Run. I would back away immediately you would back up immediately right yeah and this is why it's interesting when we'll get into some of the martyrdom uh reproductions you'll see how they imagine that scenario like oh yeah you shoot through the door and then we're gonna go run and hoard the door closed after that shot it's like 
who would be nuts enough to go stand against the door when it right. just got shot through? But according to the eyewitness testimonies, the men scatter. Okay. Some people say Joseph Willard and Taylor were on this side. Willard tells the coroner that he was standing here, and that's why he's the only one that never got hit, because when the door opened, it blocked him. But they both report that Hiram stood two-thirds of the room back from the door, about here, facing the door. Now, that's super important. Yeah. So Hiram's about six foot two, and the second shot comes through the door at 51 inches, and it hits him in the face. 51 inches high. Uh-huh. Which is what, just over four feet? The floor. Yeah. And Hiram's 72 inches, and somehow that ball hits him here. Okay. So if you were standing at the door and you backed up 10 feet after it got shot, would you be crouching down in a football stance? Would you be standing up? So if the door if the door was hit at just over four feet off the ground and he got hit in the face, somebody must have been crouched pretty low to get the angle on that, right? Well, it's interesting you should say that because you can go and measure that second hole in the door and you can see the angle in it. The Lions Brothers put a laser pointer through it. Okay. It's aimed five degrees downward. So, okay, so it's a downward shot according to the, the damage on the door. Yes. So how is that going to hit him in the face? It's not. See the problem? Okay. I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but so. let's, that didn't get measured until, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Okay. So before that, people didn't know that angle of that hole in the door was a problem. <clears throat> but there's other problems. So supposedly, again, the guys scatter, Hiram moves back to here, the door is shut. I don't know who's holding it closed now. And it, it doesn't, you know, stay closed on well, its Willard's own. back behind there hiding still, right? According to the coroner's report. Yeah, he's over here to the side of the door and Joseph and John. He later said that his garments protected him from taking bullets. That's right. We can talk about that later. So the second shot comes through the door and it hits Hiram standing here in the face. And supposedly at the exact same time, he gets shot from outside of the jail that hits him here in the back. Same time. At the exact same time. And okay. the reason why they think it was the same time, neither of the eyewitnesses saw that back shot, but they said there's no other time he could have been hit because when he was hit in the face, he fell backwards, laying down here on his back and never moved again. And so after they examined the body afterwards and found that shot in his back, they were like, there's no other time that could have happened. It had to have come through the window. So Hiram is laying on the floor. Now we have a huge discrepancy <coughs> between the two eyewitnesses. Willard says that Joseph, who's standing here, looks at his brother and says, my dear brother Hiram. Then he opens the door with his left hand, takes his six-shooter, and fires six times through the door. One, two, three, four, five, six. And says three of those were misfires. So Willard says, Joseph stands here, calls out, oh, my dear brother, and shoots six times. John Taylor says that Joseph ran over to Hiram. Okay. Cradled his brother. Said, oh, my dear brother Hiram. Then stands up. Then goes. Then pulls the pistol out of his pocket goes back to the door and shoots six times. I see. Okay. See any problems with that? I mean, it's probably a pretty stressful scenario. Can, can we give some leniency to say that, you know, hardly anybody 
remembers the exact details of the crime scene. Right. Conflicting witnesses happen all the time with police reports, even though both people are there to see it, right? Yeah. Do you give any human nature, margin of error, benefit of the doubt to these guys? I do. I do. In fact, taken by itself, whatever, not a big deal, but added in with all the rest of the evidence, that's where it becomes an issue. Gotcha. So anyway, Joseph fires all six of his shots, whether he went to his brother first or not. Whatever. He all six, six, shots. six shots. They agree on three mis- misfires? Yes, that's great detail. Okay. Of all the things that they conflict on and all things that they leave out and all the things that they say, one of the things that they both agree on is when Joseph fires his six shooter, three times he misfires. And this is amidst a hailstorm <laughs> of I'm always like, belting liquid know? flames out of these. How do you know? These... If he's okay. shooting out the door, do you, do you hear the click of the gun and don't see the flash? These muskets are pretty yeah. loud, yeah? Right. You think ears well, are that's ringing? That's the other problem. Are they sticking the muskets through shooting while Joseph's sticking his gun back through shooting? Well, you'll see in some of the scenarios that that's what they have happening. But and their ability to hear three three clicks amid the shooting. Right. Right. Because John says, yeah, they the muskets both went were, out of their way to were say firing. That you know, those three right. times that it misfired. And then would the room would the room here be filled with smoke? Do you think if they were shooting into it? If they were shooting muskets, yeah. Through the door, absolutely. Big, big clouds big of white smoke. smoke. Yeah, I mean, those That's were pretty right. smoky That's right. firearms. Anyway, so Joseph is now out of ammo. That's when John Taylor says, I'm out of here. Okay. Which is a super interesting detail. Joseph and Hiram are there. Where's John going? So John makes a break for the window. Which seems safer. And when he gets to the window, he gets shot from a musket through the door that hits him in the thigh and he's going out of the window and then someone from the mob shoots him and that hits his watch. You know the story? The pocket watch. That hits him with enough force that it throws him back into the window onto the floor. Okay. And then he rolls over here under this bed and then he gets, you know, a couple more shots through this door. So now... Does he claim that they're musket shots? He does. Okay. Hiram is laying on the floor. John is now under the bed, half dead. Willard's still here. Joseph now makes a break for it. And the way that most people describe it is he was trying to save his friends. So he thought if he would exit out of the room that they would stop firing on his friends. So he comes to the window. He gets shot a couple of times from the door, goes out the window, a couple of shots from the window. He hits the ground and they finish him off. Then the mob disperses. Okay, so that's the main uh, eyewitness accounts yeah. of what of what happened. Okay. Yeah. And the watch is one of the first things that I found so curious because this was one of the miracles of the martyrdom is this watch that saved John Taylor's uh, life. And he told the story the rest of his life about yeah. how he was saved from that. Well, he, he would know, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can go to the Church History Museum, and they have that watch there on display. Show you right here. Okay. So that hole right there is where the ball would have penetrated, and uh, penetrated. So we, yeah, it's a big hit, ball though. Hit, hit the watch. That's right. So we went and ran our own tests. Okay. And. First thing we did was shot it with a 69 caliber musket ball. It's about that size. And this is what happened. We show that. 
in the movie and it was behind a wood board and it penetrated through that solid wood board and a couple hundred feet back you can see it hit the ground with a big old thing of dust. So then if his watch is in his vest pocket and it gets shot, so that would pierce through the, it would penetrate his body, obviously, because you went through a wood panel in simulating it. That's right. And your shots were from, from what I understand, less muzzle energy than what was estimated from these muskets, right? That's right. But we, we did it from about the same distance. And we showed that the most likely gun used by the mob, the 1816 muskets, fired with less muzzle energy than those guns would have had. Absolutely destroyed this watch. Look at the watch that's at the museum. So just to prove the point. Well, the hands stayed on that watch. Right. The original account yeah. said that it was at 520 or whatever it was, whatever yeah. time was exact. So it didn't even knock the hands off this thing. Right. And those are pretty flimsy hands. Yeah, so we decided <clears throat> let's shoot it with a smaller caliber. Maybe okay. somebody was uh, the smallest caliber at the time would have been around a 30 caliber, around this size, which is a little bit bigger than a 22. So we shot this one with a 22. And the only reason it didn't penetrate all the way through, you can see the dent in the back, is because it was against that board. Now look at this picture. You got that little hole in the face of the watch. Every Carthage researcher today, not one of them believes that John Taylor's watch was shot. The LDS Church took 16 watches, ran every possible scenario, ricochet, shrapnel, everything they could do to try and recreate that, and they couldn't do it. So what most people think is you can't, you probably can't see it well here, but we zoom in on the movie, is there's a little gear in that hole. So what most people think is that when John fell into the window, he pancaked it and smashed it. Well, isn't that what's weird though? That out. Isn't that the official story now? It is. In Saints in the Saints book. Okay, that's right. Do you, do you know when that was changed? Did you? Discover? So that was in the '90s that people started questioning okay. it. Um, but when it became official, I mean, if you go on the church's website now, it says. It wasn't shot, and in the Saints book, it does. It yeah, says and Saints was 2018 rollout. 2018. So, so when they officially accepted that, I'm not sure. So all of that's fine. But okay. Here's why that's crazy. Again, you hear this narrative. It's not just a narrative. It's a miraculous faith-building story. Yeah. That he told his whole life uh-huh. that the Lord had a reason to spare him and to save him. He said he still had a work to do on the earth. Right. And I'm like, okay, so he messed up. He didn't know he was shot at the time. Later on, he saw the watch. You know, his family's like, you got shot. So he got that story, and he went with that story. But here's the curious fact. He was shot in his watch pocket, and there's a slit. There's a slit in the pocket where the watch is. Which means that it penetrated fabric. How do you punch a hole through fabric if there's no... So if he was shot... The slip makes sense. If he wasn't shot, why was that slip there? I don't know. Scissors? Does it, does it look more like a hole or more like a slip? He describes it as a slip. Right. Does does it, does, there's a big difference. Does it match? There is a big difference. It matches Can we see pictures of it? Is it? Uh-uh. Okay, so. Close. He's the one. John Taylor's the one that says there's a slip. slip. Okay. Because his family pointed mm-hmm. that out. Because Hiram's clothes have holes in them as well. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Well, hit me one more time then. If his watch wasn't shot, why was there a slit there? Right. Well, either way, we're conflicting John's testimony. 
John Taylor's. Wouldn't he have had to put it there? He says he was shot. That's right. right? And so he would have a how slit. How slit get there if he wasn't really shot? No one believes he was shot. So how did that slip get there? The other thing is, is he was shot in the front. And watches back then were like iPhones today. You put the glass, when you put your watch in, or your phone in your pocket, it's a glass out or in towards your body. In? It's in. Everyone puts the glass to towards their body yeah. to protect it. Yeah. Same thing with the watch. Did it have a cover over the top? It didn't. It didn't. But it was shot like this. <clears> so <throat> his glass would have been out, whatever. He could have. Yeah, it could have. Interestingly, though, Hiram, he had his watch against his body, and it was, it was shot, shot from the inside of his yeah, body. Yeah, and if you look at that picture, you can see that was hit by a musket ball, a much bigger ball. Okay. Even after traveling through a body, right? So That's right. The muzzle energy on impact would have been right. slowed um, down a lot. So nobody's going to answer my slit question, are they? Well, I, I think one aspect that's important <laughs> to realize that is where now even you have the church backing off of those claims is that what happens to that eyewitness account now? Like like Justin said, he went throughout the rest of his life telling that story in extreme detail. Yeah. And I, I've been approached by a lot of people saying, well, you know, things were just crazy going on, like smoke. And of course they weren't 100% accurate. But if you, the detail that he goes into in, in telling that story, what happens to a witness in, in a, who's on the stand in our day and age uh, in court who is then proven to be uh, a storyteller. Sure. A fabricator. Like the Temple Lock case. Yes, correct. Dozens of them. Yes. Right? right. So, you know, those who think I'm just trying to, that I have a bias against John Taylor talking about this watch, if he wasn't shot, then he put the slit in the, in the vest. Well, and the LDS church are the ones that officially changed the story. Unless there was just a miraculous slit there that was, but he says that ball saved him. And some people might say, okay, maybe there was a smaller caliber. Maybe some kid shot him with a BB gun, and that's why the hole is so small. Because, again, it would have had to have been smaller than a twenty two uh, to cause yeah, that damage. Right. But then I'm like, okay, if you did that, if you got shot with a twenty two, would that throw you from out of the window back in onto the floor? I mean, no way. But yeah, the, the size wouldn't be enough to even break through the glass, right? Especially from like a beat. Yeah, he right. goes on about he was saved because he was going out of the window and the ball and threw he, him back in. And he was probably that, at least 170 pounds. If he pounds, got right? hit with this, yeah. then I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. That would have transfer of energy would have, you know, right. yeah. But if he had been hit with this, then his watch would have looked like this. So, so, so why is it that the two of you get criticized for challenging the original? stories and yet the LDS church can change theirs at least twice and not take the same sort of firepower from critics. Right. What do you think? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it, it, they, they change the narrative, not you guys. You're yeah. just explore, exploring the details. Well, they actually changed the writing of how the story happened over the years. Yeah. The main people who have the main cartridge researchers today, not all of them, but they're not trying to prove <clears throat> what happened. They're trying to prove that the eyewitness accounts could have worked. You see the difference? Yeah. They're trying to prove that the narrative could still fit. How are they doing? That's a much different discipline than someone who's trying to figure out what happened. And that's the difference between me and Steve's approach. Okay. Is whatever happened, we want to know. No, we're not trying to prove one way or another. We just want to know. Yeah. What happened. Which so the church, 
they're trying to keep that narrative intact. That's yeah. why they get away with it, just because all of the members can sleep better at night. All right, cool. We don't have to think that yeah. that narrative was off. Sure. We can't sleep like that. Right. This is Joseph Smith we're talking about. So a lot of pe- I've seen people online challenge your theories. You don't seem to be very ruffled by that. Like, you know, what are you trying to protect with this theory? Anything? Or is it just the best you can come up with so far and you're open to whatever? Well, most of the people that challenge our theories is because we don't necessarily go with the narrative. And so they're upset that the narrative is not okay. holding. But have they actually done the research? Have they actually looked at the forensic evidence of the crime scene? No, they haven't. So it's difficult to even respond to them. I, so. It's a matter of like sacred cows, I think. Yeah. So like... I could probably go and make a movie. Some evidence came up of, of one of the popes uh, assassinating a cardinal, or I mean, something crazy like that. None of my friends or circles of friends or, or groups or whatnot, they, at least in the in the Mormon uh, arena, would care less. Or in fact, they would like applaud me. They'd be like, "Wow, this research is amazing." Yeah. The, this idea and expectation of perfection from from prophets and apostles is ridiculous, especially coming from like the LDS crowd who they should know that even like William Law at the time, who most everybody recognizes the guy uh, responsible for initiating a lot of uh, the assassination or whatnot. First presidency member, yeah. First presidency member. I think that's what's hard and what people need to kind of realize is that uh, if, if it's true, awesome. If it's not true, Justin invites people to go and do their own research yeah. and come up with something maybe a, a better, right. if, if that's possible. Yeah. Are you hoping someone can, can beat your research one day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because that means if it's better, then it's closer to the truth. Yeah. So the critics of the theory, if they're legitimate researchers, love it. And we've gone and talked with all the top guys now. And you'll see that in the movie. I love anyone who is willing to put the time and effort into researching whatever happened in Carthage. I love them. Grateful for their time, for their sacrifice, to come out with the true story of what happened to Joseph and Hiram. Love them. I respect them. And you can see the way that we talk about it with each other. We respect each other. Critics just yelling. You know, Mm -hmm. just noise. You can tell they don't know anything. Most of the time, you can tell they haven't even. They don't even know what what your theory is they just don't like people who are questioning the narrative yeah they're, they're willing to die on a hill and they don't even know what the hill is made of right right so what we're gotcha. hoping is you know watch the movie you'll be educated on all the different pieces of evidence and the different theories out there and come up with your own we want there to be hundreds if not thousands of new people that are looking at this and a true critic I can never lose to a true critic in a debate because if they make a point that's better than my point, I want to accept it. Yeah. Like, great. Now we're closer to the truth. That's what we want here. What is the truth? What really happened to Joseph and Hiram there? We're not just going to blanket, read a couple paragraphs in some manual and say, that's it. We want to know for ourselves. We welcome anybody else to scrutinize our theory and scrutinize any other theory. Look at the evidence. It's all out there. Anybody can look at it. What do you say to the people that say, well, people already admitted to this? We already know. Thomas Sharp admitted that, you know, the mob did it. I've been looking at our Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading on it for a couple years. I mean, like, there's a a legitimate, you know, portion of the people that think, you know, 
Oh, it's already. We already know who did it. Okay. So, so why even question? Most it? people say it was the mob, but then there was people that actually took credit for it even that night. But those people were, you know, yeah. why would someone admit to the murder of Joseph Smith, but then go to court and deny everything? Right. There's a certain amount of notoriety that comes with I'm the one that took down right. the prophet, right? right? So, of course, they're going to... It was my kill. Yeah, yeah, and you can see people 20, 30, 40 years after the fact claiming it was me. You can see a... A guy wrote an affidavit saying that William Law admitted that he did it in the 1890s or whatever. I mean, it's a crappy affidavit, but... Right. So, I do believe that these guys were there. They were part of the mob. They Uh were on the scene. You know, they were part of the excitement. (coughs) And whoever shot Joseph outside of the jail... I don't know, but somebody did that. Maybe they take right. a claim for killing him, even though he really was killed by the people on the inside. I mean, we're not talking about anything new here. I mean, go back to the Roman times with the Caesars, all the way up to John Lennon, JFK, uh, Ronald Reagan. I mean, they, it's not anything new to have, like, multiples of people coming out saying, like, I did it, it was me. JFK is the perfect example. If we did a documentary about who killed JFK and put together all these different scenarios and theories, nobody would have a problem with it. In fact, it happens right. all the time, almost yeah. once a year. People have fun new. with it, yeah. As far as us Mormons go, uh, Joseph Smith is really at the, the crux of our, of our belief. I yeah, mean, right. And for a lot of people, when they go down uh, a pathway of research or whatever, it seems like they drift away from, I we could call it the gospel or, or whatnot. Sure, yeah. but, uh, I know for myself and whatnot, it's been more of an enlightening experience. Cool. Like, yeah. That, that would be my question for you and Hemlock Counts. Why would you question the narrative about Joseph's past? You're a member of the church. Yeah. Everything's fine, accept it. Why ask questions that might lead you down a path? Oh, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the same reason I invited you on the show. <laughs> but you and I think a lot of like in, in terms of you know everything needs to be questioned. You know, um, but you know the truth. The truth is my religion. I don't want any religion that's that's rooted in something that's not true. And so, yeah. uh, come what may, it, is, it doesn't threaten me. You know, my relationship with God doesn't go away because of who pulled the trigger. Right. None of that changes, right. right? And so I'm really, I have nothing to lose, nothing to gain from any of these questions. Right. And if we don't question it, other people will. It's going to get questioned. Right. Gonna it should be questioned. It, it, was a, it was a crime. That. Yeah. This, this is one of the X-Files. There's I mean, other why are people we not that are going to be looking it? at that theory. So it's like the people that are in the church that are mad at me for yeah. making this movie. You know, because I'm asking questions that make people uncomfortable. I'm like, dude, do you want the truth or, you, or not? Sure. I don't know. I, don't, I hope you don't mind me saying this too, but that really like gets me, to be honest. Like, Mormons should know better than anybody than, than to persecute those who have questions. Like, right. We, we, we're the people who are forced out of our homes and walking barefoot in the snow, leaving trails of blood, you know, like... That's our people. Yeah. Like our entire religion is based on uh, questioning things. Question almost authoritative religion in general. Right. Yeah, and and we understand the prophets in our culture. Somewhere. Right. I mean, well, Asking questions got lost. Right. 
we both went on missions where we promoted people to ask questions. We, we asked people to ask questions about their belief systems. Right. We, we both were trained to go out and be like, hey, you should really take what you believe and take it to God to find out if it's true or not. Totally. I, I do not understand Mormons coming after Justin or myself and whatnot saying, you should not question anything when, when that's really the foundation of our beliefs. Right. So as far as, you know, if anybody was there to, you know, nowadays crime scenes get photographed immediately, right? They take measurements, they put little pins on the ground, they, they try to map out everything before removing any evidence, right? Where the casings of the bullets fell, um, et cetera. So talk about uh, Frederick Piercy and a sketch that he did in 1853, which was still almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. But he would have seen that jail. He visited it and he wrote up, mm-hmm. a, he drew a sketch mm-hmm. of the room, particularly the Western wall. Mm-hmm. And in the credits of your movie, I understand that you guys show this painting or this drawing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, probably as close as we can get to yeah, the someone who saw holes. it. How many bullets were fired into that room? I've heard estimates as high as 35. 35 musket shots, including one, two, three, four, the 12 that were shot into Hiram, Joseph, uh-huh. and John. I mean, 35 musket shots, just for fun, when we were out doing our ballistic testing, we shot a watermelon, we shot three jugs of water, we shot a log. It obliterated them. Obliterated them. The watermelon didn't say, I'm a dead man <laughs> afterwards? The watermelon disappeared. One second he was there, the next second... <laughs> Your cameras got splashed. Yeah. Whoa! And they were they were 20 feet away. Yeah, yeah. To right. Get... We had a log, yeah. a full-on log. It shot it split right in half. Wow. So, and, and remember, the eyewitnesses say that door was never fully opened. It was always partially opened with the musket sticking through, which gives your shot radius pretty thin line. Yeah. So if that was 35 shots in that... That area would have been obliterated, right. and that's not the case. There's no evidence for that. So what's wrong with Frederick Piercy's drawing? So you, you bring up a good question. Yeah, tell me. Because that's probably the oldest. So first, let me tell you, the problem was shots through the window. Okay. A lot of the scenarios, uh, they show the mob firing at the jail. You know, they come up on the jail and they fire at it. But that stone is still original, and there's no musket ball. You saw no pock marks there yeah. at all? Nothing? Uh-uh. And in the movie, we show a cathedral with a similar stone that was yeah. shot with muskets, and you can tell. It's a very distinct yeah. look to the musket ball. And wooden framing That's inside the window would have been changed out and fixed and repaired right. easily, right? Right. But that stone, so where are all these shots from the outside? Were they all like perfect aim because even if you're a good aim if you're shooting a musket it is just not the same as aiming a rifle today right especially because to get this shot so the first carthage researchers it was the angle of this shot that was problematic because the shot in order to hit hiram in the back we know it hit we have his clothes it went through his back hit his watch in the front was there blood on that shot no so it was parallel to the ground so that shot would have had to come in, hit him here, and then change angles because the witnesses say it hit him in the back and then went towards the door. Actually, the, you can see from his body, if he was standing looking at the door, 
It where it enters the back and exits the front is a straight line. It's not an angle. So the first Carthage researchers, that's what their problem was. Secondly, it's on the second floor. And so the shots would have come from the ground up. So wherever it hit in the back, <coughs> it should have exited higher. And it didn't. And so Hiram <laughs> was probably about six feet tall, give or take, right? Six two. Yep. So that would hit him in the small of the back, right on the pant line, the, the upper pant line. Uh-huh. So like right near the kidney-ish, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. This was not in the middle of the back. So that would have been about three, three and a half feet up tops. Right. So, and how high, how high is the windowsill? Uh, it's it's a couple feet. That's not that's not what's important. But what's how far important? back would someone have to be to get that shot? Okay, so that's been measured. Okay, Sam measured that, and he said you have to be sixty to seventy feet back for the which is really over. just way back here. Yeah, which means your shot, even at sixty or seventy feet, you would have just come above the seal for that to work. And he, and then he said Hiram would have been standing over here angled this way yeah and i'm like okay maybe but that's not what the eyewitnesses said at all so anyway you got all these shots so you have to have a scope you have to have a scope on that musket right (laughs) right a high-powered scope (laughs) it's super hard shot to make and they're not that accurate anyway i mean i did stand back there you can see into the room the lens brothers argue you can't see into the room for that distance and you can you can see into it but they're not that accurate there would have been I mean, you would have to take 10 shots to get one into the window yeah. in order to hit Hiram. So there should have been pockmarks all over that window. So Nothing. I mean, you remember the line for the Revolutionary War, Civil War, whatnot. They, they knew not to fire their weapons until they could see the whites in their enemy's eyes. Right. Like, because of how inaccurate yeah. the, those guns were... I mean, there's there's no way you can see the whites of their eyes. You yeah. you might be able to see right. some like figurines in yeah. there or something, some movement. And it was reported but, in several journals that they would often hit the man standing next to their target. Right. Like they weren't even. Yeah, there's no rifle. Accurate. You shoot this ball through a smooth barrel. It doesn't it just have that pushed spin. around. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, yeah it's right. zipping around. That's right. Gotcha. So <clears throat> the interesting thing is, Piercy in his sketch shows all the bullet holes against this wall. And there, in fact, there's a bullet hole in this wall that's lower than the window seal. So it's like, how on earth is Someone just lobbed a bullet in there? <laughs> yeah. Arc. Yeah, and you'll see in some of the scenarios, if we play them, uh-huh. there's balls that come from the top of the window down. And it's like, okay, was there a building over there? There's always on a higher floor. Someone's in an oak tree. Yeah, some people say maybe somebody was in the tree out there, but that was disproven because it was too young of a tree to even support anybody's weight. Was a sapling at the time? Yeah. So again, where did these... So in in Piercy's painting, you see a lot of... On the western wall, there's a lot of shots up against the wall, and there's also some discoloration. Looks like some paint was rolled all over the wall. For whatever reason, we don't know. But it's interesting that that wall had some repair work done to it. It is. And, is there, um, and there's a thing on the ceiling as well. What I would say is the most accurate um, depiction of the bullet holes is that. In regards to recreating a crime scene, that's the closest thing we have right. to a photograph of the original crime scene because mm-hmm. there were renovations done to the jail mm-hmm. in, the, in subsequent years, right? Do you know, I think you know enough now that we can watch some. some yeah, uh, you guys are going to show some clips from three popular videos, right? Three popular videos, and we're going to stop and show. Okay. Okay, how they're different than what the eyewitnesses would have said. Okay. Hot and humid in Carthage. One by one, the okay, hot and humid in 
hot and humid, June 27th, summer afternoon. If you've ever been to that area, it is hot and humid. Yeah. So Joseph had his coat off. Hiram had his coat off. John had his coat off. But Willard was still wearing his full his tuxedo suit for some Top reason. Top hat. Yeah. Now, a lot of people argue, were the windows up or were the windows down? My opinion, they were up because why wouldn't you have them up so you can get the breeze coming through? Sure. Okay. And then back up a little bit so you can hear the other thing that they say that's... <coughs> June 27th, dawn hot and humid in Carthage. One by one, the prisoners had been released until only four remained. Joseph, Brother Hiram, John Taylor, and Willard Richards. Stop. See how they called them the four prisoners? They weren't the four prisoners. It was the two prisoners. Willard and John were in the room as volunteers. They weren't required to be there. Spent the day in contemplation and taking turns preaching to the guards. Several were convinced and were dismissed from duty. Joseph wrote a final note to Emma. I am very much resigned to my lot. Knowing I have done the best that could be done. Give my love I to like this guy. I like this actor a lot. And all my friends. And may God bless you all. By afternoon, the mood grew somber. He should have wrote to all of his wives. <laughs> you cannot have a proper martyrdom reenactment without seeing a poor thing. Man. <laughs> this is how it goes. It stopped. A lot of people believe that the landing was too small at the top of the floor to fit the muskets. To fit all these men's, it's not. It's plenty big. You okay. can you can fit the muskets. Going there ourselves, we realized that was the case. So, you also can't have a proper martyrdom reenactment without a chair, chair falling down. Right? <laughs> That's or, or a clock being shot. <laughs> or right. a clock being shot. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, stop. Who did they have against the door? I don't know. Who Let's was back that? Back up. Was it four or was it two? There's the chair. Very important. So you see one, two. Okay. Tell back Taylor. So they went for the four, but you see how one guy's in back. Okay, now they're holding someone. They can't show it. There's a. Someone's knocking them. There's an arm on his shoulder. There's at least two. Okay, stop. Something already doesn't make sense. They're pushing against the door. But there's enough room to get the muskets in. How do they not get all the way open? And even they're sh- they're showing bullets come through at this point, right? And, and things breaking. But you literally saw all the bodies up against the door. It, there was a good shot where that guy's literally standing in front of the holes. Right. Remember, the, the first shots were the two from the door. Why are they still holding the door closed when they know the mob can shoot right through the panel of the door and has no problem doing that? Who's dumb enough to stand against that door after they saw that bullets had already gone through it? I mean, the only shots they've shown so far is some some guy smoking a vase full of water in the <laughs> right. corner. That's in this one. You, in other okay. ones, you'll you'll. All right, all right let's keep let's keep going. Very symbolic. Okay, was that outside or inside? No, stop. The mob's running in. <laughs> Wait, what? The mob runs through the room in this 
reenactment. The eyewitnesses never said that happened. Which, this is the only thing that makes sense. Ma- yeah. Okay, so there's six people that just ran in through the door. No, they supposedly all have muskets <clears throat> with bayonets on the end of them. Yeah. So when we built the set, that's the first thing we realized, if you'll, if you'll recall. Yeah. When the mob, it's like, dude, they would just push through, run through, shoot everyone, stab well, you're all done. They didn't Let's go home. Well, you were there. I was there. Like, we and, 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 I, and I remember it. nobody <laughs> could get their muskets through. They're getting stuck in people's butt cracks. <laughs> yeah, we were jabbing people. One kid got his ear cut right. because these muskets are, with bayonets are, like, yeah. super clunky. So right. anyone trying to push through any door was just, like, yeah, a we're mess. Thrashing like the door. We destroyed the door frame right. trying to get through. If for anybody who's ever been to Carthage, you you you're aware of actually how small that room is. Yeah, right. Like it, it's extremely small. Yeah, that's the point. Okay. Is this is accurate? If the mob had truly come, they would have pushed through no problem and destroyed everybody in the room easily. Right. As if you are a murderer. How many witnesses do you leave who can identify you? Right. Yeah, it depends on if they're or not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. Edit that out. I guess Edit. so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's keep going. We got the glasses to book. On the glasses. Maybe just who did this video? Yes. So this one's called The Martyrdom of Joseph Smith. Okay, see all the shots coming from outside of the jail? Get no evidence of that. That actually looks like it was shot in garbage. On how many mob members were, were the estimates of? 150 to 200. I mean, you've got to keep that in mind during this process, too. If, you, okay. if, if you're a bloodthirsty mob of 150 to 200 people armed to the teeth, and there's only a couple, like, potholes on one side of the wall and right. two shots in the door, right. I mean, that just... Doesn't add up, does it? Cool. Okay, so that was their scenario. I think this one was late 90s that this was made. Okay. You can already see that it's super problematic. Plus, Joseph was taken in a pine box. They have him in the back of the wagon with branches over him. Okay. So I don't know where they came up with that. All right, so what's the next major one? All right, let's hear this one. Okay. This one's from Joseph Smith, the prophet of the restoration. If you go to Carthage, this is the one that they'll play in the Visitors center. Okay. So stop and let me break. So you got Hiram on the right, Joseph there. It's the same actor. Again, I like him. I think he does a good job. And then John Taylor's the one sitting over there against the wall. And I don't know if this one was done in Carthage or they built that set. It looks like a set. Ceiling's like a lot higher than eight feet. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Joseph and Hiram arrived in Carthage, Illinois and surrendered themselves to face charges. Despite all the promises of fair treatment, what happened came as no surprise. All right, 
Here comes the model up the stairs. There's the chair. You gotta have a chair. Okay, so. Okay, who's against the door? That's Joseph, Joseph there. Hiram. You see Willard. And this is Hiram here? Yeah, that's Hiram. Okay. And you see Willard in the back. And John. John was the one that supposedly saw the mob before they were even coming up the stairs and alerted them to all run over to the door. So, this is where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. Right? Some pirates. Okay. Willard's got one hand on the door. How, how useful is that? It's a pretty heavy hand. As far as it's like holding it close. Yeah. So the majority in this scene of the door leverage holding back the two on the other side was Joseph and Hiram. Right? And he looks kind of relaxed. He's just sort of like leaning. No, he's stressed. He's stressed. He's got sweat. He's got play. <laughs> Everything's different now. The they didn't show shot. the first shot. They showed the second shot through the panel. And they showed Hiram was still at the door. Just when he that? got shot. As opposed to being 10 feet back. Yeah. That's a major departure from both eyewitnesses saying that he was 10 feet back. And so the church changed in this movie and had him right at the door. And that's super interesting because a lot of people think that that's the case now. A lot of the theories have him at the door. And you saw the splintering from the door. None of that came on to hire on a death mask. Death mask. So, right. so that one showed a pistol as the, the fire. And they showed a pistol. Good okay. catch. So Both the church is evolving. It was all muskets. Okay. And now the church is involved to say this was, this was pistols. And it's interesting because the Lion Brothers measured that hole at 69 caliber. And other people's measured it at the 50 caliber. So the yeah. church went with the pistol, the lower caliber on this. So I wondered if they had measured it, came up with a different measurement. Then the eyewitnesses would say it was a musket ball from the 1860 musket that was shot through. So what was the diameter of that hole in the door then? Would that have matched a pistol? Okay, so it depends on who measures it. Different people came up with different measurements. The Lion Brothers said it was 69 caliber. And then Sam said he tried to push 69 caliber bolt through it. And that so would have worked. But... The Lang Brothers claims when that ball hits the wood, it will deform a little bit. So it makes the hole, so it would have shrunk down. But they still measured it with a caliber, a digital caliber. It's 69. What would the pistol likely have been as far as caliber? That probably would have been between 40 and 50. One, like one of these? Yes. Like a middle-sized? Yes. Big okay. difference. And then the small yeah, pepper that, box? Yeah, maybe probably wouldn't have even made it through. Yeah, okay, so. Quick that note, too. So this is not Justin coming out saying that the two eyewitnesses were incorrect in their accounts. This is the church coming out and officially like, right. recreating yeah. the yeah. scene. Ignoring the original accounts correct. in their creation. Correct. Now, the interesting thing about it is one of the details that I forgot to say was that Hiram, when he was stuck to the side of the nose and when he was falling back, according to the eyewitnesses, right out, I'm a dead man. And so everyone in their theory includes when he says, I'm a dead man. And he says it after he gets shot in the side of the face in here. You have to listen real closely. You want to back that up? Yes. When he's shot through the door, listen to Hiram. Joseph, I'm a dead man. Did you hear it? 
after he had been shot into his nasal cavity. Now, interestingly, Hiram was shot in the left of the nose, and then when he was on the ground, the eyewitnesses say that a shot came through the door, grazed his chest, and hit him underneath the chin. And then he was also, in addition to that shot, his back shot in his left knee and in his right thigh. So they don't show the re- what happened with the shot through his chin or how that came. They just show the ones on the side of his nose. Let's keep going. Okay, stop. Now, you just saw the guns pointing through the door, right? He, they're going with the John Taylor account, which Joseph runs over to Hiram and says, Oh, my dear brother, mm-hmm. who's watching that door now? It's Willard just, still has Willard his hand up there. One hand. Yeah. But the mob was all still pushing against it. So Willard, one hand on the unleveraged side of the who, door. Who, who said that he was behind the door. It. Yeah. So he's not even keeping in front of that closed. Yeah. These guys on the floor. Again, why didn't the mob just bust through right now and destroy everybody in that room? Makes It makes no sense. Keep going. Did you see? Did you oh, see? That's, they got the base of water. The face is in both? Where is the that from? The in the chair. It's just, uh, it's just made up. That okay. and Singapore, where fame matters. Sure, okay. And the but chair you just saw, they had all their guns through the door. They were all still pushing on the door. And yeah. somehow, just Willard's holding it closed in this scenario. It's impossible. Yeah. I will say that from like a cinematic standpoint, from like a filmmaking standpoint, it's brilliant. You break things. It right. shows a lot of like, just chaos. It messes with people's emotions. Mm-hmm. The psychology of it is brilliant. The storytelling of it is dramatic. Right. It dramatizes it to a point where right. the reality of this situation isn't accurate at all. Right. What do we hear in the gospel that we have received? Okay, stop. <laughs> okay, the clock. Again, there's the clock. <laughs> You got all of these musket fires from outdoor out of the room. That clock is sitting on the mantle. That shot came straight into the clock. It wasn't an angle. Where did that shot come from? It couldn't have been from that east window. Maybe they were shooting from the south windows. In this and so this, this clock was pretty well obliterated by a musket shot. Right. But Taylor's watch didn't take the same damage. <laughs> That's another good as point. As the clock. That's right? another good point. That's great. <laughs> I mean, they just kind of show what happens when you get hit. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, More so shots bullets. going all over the place in the room. That couldn't have been from the door. Again, the door was never fully open. I would have had to come from outside, but a right. straight shot under the mantle, it, could, it couldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Truth out of the earth. Mercy from heaven. See, what, what's Willard doing over there? And the door is it is it open and now the you, you hear all the bullet shots yeah, still he's yeah. just standing there whether fight somehow missing him while Joseph's on the floor a complete open yeah. target and he's got time to go through a poem in his head before he runs right okay now he's considering you know I'm gonna save my friends yeah. here by leaping the window okay gladness for the living and the dead now they come okay, in okay now they come in. Now they come in, and now the guys on the outside are shooting. <laughs> Shall we not go on and so break a cause? Okay. Okay. Now, again, I yeah. like the actor. I like 
I like this when it first came out. Yeah. It's so much better than that other one that watched. You know, if you're watching this to find out about Joseph and Hiram, you're going to watch this and you're going to, you're going to get that feeling of how, you know, they, they were, like it says on the screen there, they were murdered. Yeah. Right. They were murdered for yeah. who they were and for what they believed and what they were trying to do. And so this movie succeeds as far as telling the story of how great these two men were. So I don't mean to be so irreverent about it, but you have to understand the church made this movie and it's completely different than the eyewitness accounts. I mean, this was in the 2000s and they totally changed the eyewitness accounts. None of us even knew it. I mean, when you're in the church, if you go back and look at all of the manuals on the martyrdom, you can see it used to be the full account. And every year as it progresses, it gets shorter and shorter until it's just Joseph and Hiram were killed by a mall. It's like a couple paragraphs now. Yeah, they just left Super. the de- details yeah, out. Right. They don't want to get into the details. Why is that? They just want to capture the Joseph and Hiram were murdered yeah. for, the, you know, for the, what they believed. And I can't live with that. And Steve couldn't live with that. Who pulled the trigger? Who killed them? I'm not accepting faceless mob. Just like I wouldn't accept anyone that I know today got killed. A faceless mob wouldn't work. No. Who pulled that trigger? And we would go and we would keep going until we found that out. Right. You see, this is what our motivation was. Okay, let's watch the final one. Okay. I actually know the director on this one. So Joseph Smith, American Prophet, is this one. This okay. one played on PBS originally. They're starting at one hour, 20 minutes, 21 minutes. Of course, it happened after five o'clock in the afternoon, so it would have been more light, but he's got it in this dark forest with the mist. It's just really cool. Stop, stop. Carthage, I don't know where they came up with that building, but the door is on the left to where in theirs they have it in In the the center there. But that's fine if they needed to find a real building or if they recreated that. That's not what Carthage shot. Stop. So there's Hiram singing. Poor wayfaring men of Crete. Gotta have that detail. There's Joseph. Great actor. He yeah. does a great job. And there's Hiram on the bed. Okay. Modeling. There's Willard. This one's the best Willard of all of them. You think so? All right. Uh, not convinced. <laughs> I just want to know which chair is going to bite the okay, dust in There's the window. That's the actual Carthage the mob's about to shoot through. That's actually even not a bad comparison, uh, showing of what you could actually kind of see through the window mm-hmm. as well. I mean, it's right wow. there. there's the window. Here comes the mob. I love his mob shots. They yeah, it's pretty good. They have the window open in their scenario, which makes more sense to me. Right. There's the guards, Carthage Grays. Were they in on it or were they not? The mobster with the top hat is obviously the leader. pistol oh okay let's stop where are all those shots going 
I'm like, where were you shooting at? Was it into the window? There was no record of those shots coming through the window first, so they must have been hitting the stone, right? No record of any yeah, shots. Yeah, no record of shots anywhere. before they came up the stairs. So it's just dramatic yeah, effect. Sure. You know, he has the... Yeah. And that would have alerted them all if they were shooting. I don't think it happened that way, but dramatic effect. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. See how they just move over and let them in? The guards? Yep. Okay. They shot against the door in their scenario. Shot it, put the hole through it. <laughs> what goes through your mind if you see a shot on the door and a goes hole through the door? I'm not going to go line up. Are in you going to go line up against uh, the door? Okay, I get That's it. Exactly what they just did. Fair enough. So Hiram has his back. This is where. Okay, so he has Joseph and Hiram. While the other two are knocking down the bayonets, somehow. Now he moves back. Now, stop. Hiram gets shot. Hiram? Yes, from the window in his shoulder. Shoulder. The, that's never even a wound that's been recorded in any account. It's not in his clothes either, this hole there. Exactly. He was not okay. shot in the shoulder. And how would that shot have even been made? If you shot it, it saw it comes from the top of the window. They probably just thought a back shot, and then they just figured, yeah, yeah. So, but I, like we would, that it would yeah. be higher up on the body. It so has you're to just be. making a movie, yeah, right. with zero like accountability for the forensics. I sure. right. Done. So I so I asked him. I'm like, <clears throat> why did you do that? Why did why did you get him have him shot from the shoulder in the window? Because getting shot in the back first is another very popular theory out there, and I thought that's what he was doing until you see him go on the floor. And he's like, oh, I just directed it. I didn't do the screenplay. That yeah. was some other guys. And I haven't had an opportunity to talk with them. But what if I do? I'm like, why don't you shoot him in the shoulder? That's, no one thinks that. Okay, keep going. And first shot would have had blood on the, on the shoulder. See, no one's got there. You see that shoulder shot now. He is holding the pistol. Now John runs to the... <coughs> stop, stop. Was that the watch shot? It hit him in his shoulder. <laughs> so he's running towards the window and gets stopped from a shot in the shoulder. It was supposed to be in so his thigh. W- wait, is that where he was holding his watch? On no, the shoulder? it was in his vest pocket. Gotcha. Or were you being... So I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his, his watch got shot because he was going for the window, and that's the one that knocked him back in. Right. Okay. The, what's, what's interesting about the, that, too, though, is even just... They probably did that from a filmmaking standpoint, where they were like, well, if he's up against the window, the bullet's going to come from, like, that angle and right. hit him. Right up here right. instead of accurately where his pocket That's exactly is. right. Anyone who's gone to Carthage and anyone who tries to make a reenactment, yeah. you're like, whoa, this isn't working. Those <laughs> <laughs> accounts don't yeah. fit. They don't work. So you have to kind of twist it to make your movie work. Goes John. Bam, right in the shoulder. There's no pocket. Now you can see Joseph's holding it with his foot. Did he even get hit in the shoulder, John? And Willard steps over him. No. Now, see, where's that shot in his face come from? They didn't depict that. Somehow, Willard's still holding the do- Look! <laughs> this makes me crazy. He stepped on the other side of the door, and he's able to hold off the whole mob. Right at that moment, they would have all... Oh, they did come through. Now they got him in the back, which I think is accurate in the front. His break out of the window. Oh, that was pretty, beautiful. pretty awesome. Yeah. Like a juggernaut just charged right through it. <laughs> this scene is super sad and I love it. They did a great job. 
Somebody calls out, the Mormons are coming, the mob scattered. Okay. So you can see what I'm talking about, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the big differences, and it's right. just so frustrating. But I would, I would have, you know, they made a big movie. The Carthage part of it is just sure. And I happen to be an expert on that one sliver of their totally. movie, so it's not <laughs> fair that I'm. Like, so you have a hard job, which is you have to illustrate your theory, taking into effect all of the things that you just pointed out. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you to have to write up a scenario that matched all of those dozens of criteria? Well, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time to figure that out, and it took multiple running scenarios with actors in the room before we figured out this is this is probably what happened. And but, you show your theory mm-hmm. in action in the in the documentary, so I'll have to watch the documentary to see it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the goal of this interview is. I want to warm you up to not just go watch it for entertainment value, but I want you to learn from this film the different theories about what happened at Carthage. And you'll see a lot of them are good. They have really good components. They have good strengths to them, but none of them are complete theory. And that's based on the forensic evidence. And people are like, what forensic evidence do you have? This was 180 years ago or whatever. And I'm like, there's actually six super strong pieces of forensic evidence that you have to answer. And we show that in the movie and we compare each theory against them. And there's, you know, it's pretty obvious that some of them answer some of them pretty good and others are just way off on that. One thing that I think you did (coughs) was was really cool was after, after we had built the set, you actually had people like going through the motions several times and, and we discovered during that process there were there were some things that happened that aligned with the forensic evidence that we weren't even expecting which was kind of cool but i don't i don't know if anyone's actually done that to a degree where they weren't trying to uh fit a square peg into a round hole more so they were taking like aligning the evidence to the situation and all of a sudden, some other pieces started to like fit together right. in that process. So. As critical as I was on each one of these reenactments, and as critical as I am over in the Saints book, the current narrative that the church tells, <coughs> I expect that and ten times worse on what I For your theory. theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bring it. So you guys have heard it. If you have critiques on the theory from this documentary, any of them, we want to hear it. Yeah. So we'll meet again after the movie comes out. And this time we'll go through exactly what the theory is. Okay. Exactly what we believe happened. And you're open why. to Q&A from the community as well on that one, right? Questions from anybody on about me, anything about the movie, any scenario we'll put anything forward, at all. we're willing to talk about. Q&A. It. We'll do at least two hours <laughs> on that Q&A probably. Yeah. And, and I hope that. You know, you don't just watch the movie. You read all the studies. We reference all of them. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have time to go out and run your own ballistic tests like we did. But you can read and you can go online and you can see for yourself. Right. Uh, those kind of things. But the rest of it go through. There's nothing I like better than another Carthage researcher who's well-read that we can go through the theories yes. together. Yes. And we can say, what about this? What about this? And work it through. Because that's how you get closer to the mm-hmm. truth. So again, we have no 
agenda as far as trying to prove one thing or another. We just want to know what did the evidence yeah. actually say. We spoke with two forensic detectives, consulted with them on this film, to figure out how to approach this correctly. <coughs> and again, <coughs> we weren't there. No one was there. And people, or critics, well, you weren't there. You don't know. And I well, yeah, like, yeah, right. Of course, I wasn't there. But John Taylor and Willa Richards were. But yeah, nobody was at any crime scene when they're, yeah. you know, studying it afterwards. But after you've done a thorough investigation, you have to say, what is the most likely scenario? What's the most likely? And that's what we did. Our theory is by far the most likely. By far, this is most likely what happened. And if there's someone that can come up with a better theory that matches the evidence than we do, great. I don't think that's going to happen. Who would be interested in that? Absolutely. Great. And, and, your, and your most accurate scenario that you're going to depict in this documentary, there could be some tough-to-swallow implications attached to yeah. it, right? Yeah. Is that your fault? Are you making those implications? Or is it just where you landed as far as analyzing this thing? Right? Are you trying to bend people's faith or get them to, to believe in anything with all this? It is a compelling film. I mean, it's a almost two-century-old murder mystery. People like cold cases. But that's not what's the appeal to this film. The appeal is that it's Joseph. And the appeal is the people that are watching it like us, what we feel about Joseph. So the people that come out of this, the few people that we've showed it to, it's an emotional experience. Yeah. Because it's Joseph. So if you want to know the truth, if you're willing to ask questions, then yeah, watch it. But just watching the film, that's not why we're here. It's the bigger story. It's the do you want the truth about really what happened in the history or not? Can you live with the truth or do you just want to keep into your comfortable narrative that you've already told yourself? And we're not... I mean, we like being comfortable. Don't get me wrong, but we want we want we wanted the truth. That's why we did it. Gotcha. So, uh, where if where can people go to learn more once you once you have a release? Talk about the release and what your plans are to roll this out and where people can go. So we have a Facebook page called "Who Killed Joseph Smith." We talk a lot about different things on there, but the actual release will be January thirteenth in. Uh, 2022. Yeah. And you can go to our website, whokilljosephsmith.com. We're charging 60 bucks a ticket to come to that. It's a one-time public showing. And you get a t-shirt with that or whatever. There's been a lot of people that wanted to help us support us on this movie. And we haven't taken any money. Um, self-funded the whole thing. This will not be something that we make money on. However, there are a lot of people that want to support us. So we said, okay, come to that pay for this ticket and that will help yeah, pay, for, pay for the venue as well right mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. and that same night we're going to release it online for five bucks and as an online premiere yeah as an right. online premiere so, so you guys have put how many months into this about a year now about a year mm-hmm. plus your funding for all of the the costs associated right that's right so so this doesn't pay much for you, the two of you this does nothing compared to what it's cost but that's not the point after that after that it's free Online, anybody can come and watch it for free. And anybody can add to the narrative. Anyone can come onto the Facebook and say, here's what I'm thinking. I saw this thing. That's the bigger goal, is to reignite what happened to Carthage, what happened to the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram, 
have more eyes looking at it, more people asking questions, more people arguing it through, discussing, yeah. bringing yeah. up new ideas, so we can get closer and closer and closer to what really happened that day. That's our true goal. Fantastic. Cool. Great. Well, so thanks so much for being here. It's been fantastic, Steve, Justin. Good luck with the rollout of this and uh, all of the questions and comments that will come your way as a result. Cool. Sweet. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And as a reminder, we'll, uh, we'll do a separate interview, which is question and answers after the release of it and get a lot more people out in the audience who have seen the documentary to come forth with their biggest questions. That's right. Where are the gaps? Where are the holes? And then we'll get into the really, really deep stuff, including your theory, which we kind of had to skirt (laughs) for this interview. We want to save it for the, uh, you know, the first time they see it. So anyway, thanks again for tuning in and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, share it with your people. Join the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, or HemlockKnots.com, where you'll find show notes and source material for these subjects and much more.